slumbering, you start to feel afraid. Dragons chase you down the mountainside. When everything's confusing and your hope begins to fade, look and see the night is over. I'm holding you. Turn to me, turn to me. Though it seems that I am gone, I am living in your heart like the memory of this song. You're listening to Keeping It Real with Janine, your guide to living an authentic, healthy life podcast. I'm Janine Strong, and every two weeks, I have an inspiring conversation with an ordinary person living an extraordinary life. My conversation today is with Michael Stillwater. Hi, Michael. How are you? I'm doing great, Janine. Michael Stillwater innovates with music, words, and images. The song you have just heard and the one you will hear at the end are both his original recordings. He is an award-winning songwriter, recording artist, filmmaker, and educator who catalyzes creative expression in people of all ages. Michael has composed and recorded a large body of healing music and offers workshops on intuitive singing and facilitates art of presence and song sanctuary retreats in America and Europe. Michael also creates intuitive songs for individuals and couples in person or by phone or Skype. He is also a landscape nature photographer. Samples of Michael's film work can be seen at the Great Song website, on YouTube or on Vimeo. And we will have all of Michael's links on the podcast website. Michael, I could go on and on because you have amassed an incredible body of creative work, and I really am excited that you've agreed to play for us during our conversation. So, let's start with your story, the evolution of your journey as an artist. Well, that's a... That's a nice place to begin. Thank you. Thank <laughs> You're you for welcome. asking about that, Janine. Um, it's, uh, it's interesting to try to see where things begin. But mm. uh, just as, I mean, I, I remember drawing as a, as a child and really loving drawing. I was, in fact, I'd sometimes sit in the back of the classroom and be drawing when things were boring. And <laughs> I got, got rather good at at fine line drawing so i was i was always doing that and continued as i as i grew up and in fact designed a line of greeting cards and um just thought thought at one point that that would be my main focus of art would be visual arts um however that that itself the visual art uh, evolved into photography and filmmaking so so now my visual art is more expressed in filmmaking and photography mm. But alongside of the visual, there was always a musical component. And the first way of expressing musically for me was clarinet. So I was playing clarinet in, in band in elementary school and then in junior high school. And what happened, an interesting point, kind of a pivotal moment for me, was, was when I picked up my mother's guitar when I was 13. Uh, and it was strung normally, like strung right-handed, but I'm left-handed. 
So the first thing I did when I picked it up was I retuned the strings. I, I, I turned them upside down, figuring, well, I'm left-handed, so it should actually go the opposite way. So I turned the strings around, and as she said, that was the beginning of my guitar career and the end of hers. But she <laughs> was just being funny, um, <laughs> kind of. And, and so what what happened by picking up the guitar was not only finding an instrument that I immediately felt attracted to, the sound of the guitar, uh, it just came right into my heart. And I just loved the sound of it. Even probably, I mean, I can't imagine how bad I must have sounded when I first was playing, but I think it was just my imagination went ahead of me, uh, went to the possibilities of how beautiful it could sound when I got good at it. And here was the other thing is that for for all my young life, music meant having this stick in my mouth called a clarinet. And mm. and I couldn't sing. In other words, you know, when you when you're playing the clarinet, it's a very difficult thing to try to sing. I, I bet there's probably, you know, people in Guinness Book of Records who who sing along with playing clarinet. But it's it would be a rare feat. And yeah. and so it was like this discovery by playing the guitar, my hands were on the instrument and my mouth was free to sing. And the first songs that I would sing would be ones I was hearing on the radio and just loving the, the it was it was 1966, I believe, 65, uh, 66. And it was, you know, the Beatles, Simon and Garfunkel, Rolling Stones, I mean, on and on and on. The, the, the artists of that time were, uh, amazing in their songwriting and so we had a, a huge field of song to inspire us for anyone listening to this who is uh, grew up in those times you know what i mean it was a a, a wealthy time of songwriting and it so really was. It, it was and and so i was so inspired and i had just you know on and on songs to sing and then interestingly enough very soon after uh, getting somewhat proficient on guitar and different chords, I began my own songwriting. It was almost like, okay, so a song has words in it and it has a melody and has a rhythm. Well, that can come through me as well. So I began writing songs when I was 14. And in fact, because I had a spiritual uh, inclination, uh, who knows where these things come from, but I had it. And so the first songs I wrote were about, uh, well, for instance, about how the soul lives on beyond this life. I mean, that's that's the kind at of song. At fourteen. At fourteen, yeah. So I was I was, you know, not singing about you know you know my baby left me or or, or, <laughs> or I want my baby. Instead, I was singing about how the soul lives on. I remember one of the, the lyrics of the, one of the first songs I wrote when I was fourteen was. Um, there was a fire and the house burned down. There was nothing left to see, but the light uh, that lived inside uh, escaped the burning walls and uh, flew out over the sea. Something like that. It was like, you know, about the, the soul going beyond the body. So that gives a sense when you ask about my early artistic, you know, leanings or, you know, the, the, the the uh, the way the arts uh, opened to me, it was simultaneously uh, musical 
it was visual and it was a spiritual or um, soulful striving i was i was listening for what my soul wanted to say and say through music and this hasn't stopped this is the continuous journey i have been on now for for 50 years and it's it shifts and evolves as it as it goes on but it continues to be a listening for what is the message from deep within and how it expresses through music and then also how it can be expressed visually as well um you know what is the story that needs to be told now and that is that's the continuous uh, quest and uh, passion that i have mm -hmm. so michael when you say um that you're you're listening for what your soul wants to say do, do you have any uh particular techniques or any way that you do that that you could share with the listeners maybe with someone who would like to be able to do that themselves any tips well in in my life i have gone rather deep into some different uh practices different ways and methods of mm -hmm. listening to one's soul and one of the early practices was yoga and meditation and also mantra the repetition of mantra now you know when you're repeating a mantra which is a, a set of sound syllables um, it's the idea is you're repeating the same thing over and over again in the mind and one could could criticize and say well if you're repeating a sound in your mind then how can you hear anything else how can you listen to your soul but what's the interesting thing about the power of mantra and the practice of mantra or or in the west it's also there's it's lectio divina is the the tradition that's the latin tradition in the christian world of of that contemplative listening practice and Ooh, again I heard that. yeah well, it's lectio divina it's it's you know lectio divina is is the word of the divine it's it's so it's it's a way to like listen also to scripture but it can also be any words that one listens to deeply and goes goes the path into one's uh listening being to what is the meaning for me now in this so whether the what i wanted to say about mantra is that the practice of repeating a phrase of uh, syllables that has been perhaps given to one from a teacher or one reads it in a in a book that feels meaningful to one uh, the point is is that in the repetition the mind comes into stillness even though you're repeating a sound the as we know the mind has a habit and it's a really tough habit to break of filling our uh, our consciousness with thoughts and ideas continually it's constantly uh, you know just just washing through us with with so many ideas and words and you know i need to do this or it could even be criticisms about someone else or ourselves and the mind can be filled with these thoughts and when you ask the question of how can someone hear the voice of their soul or hear, hear the 
as as it's as the, the famous phrase is this the still small voice you know how yeah. how do we hear the still small voice and, and many could say well you, you have to quiet the mind so how do we do that well again many practices for quieting the mind but the practice of mantra is one of them and that is through this sound repetition the mind gets quieter and then you can let the mantra cease and you come into a stillness. And in that stillness, you could call that the state of either meditation or it, it can be contemplation as well. It's mm -hmm. contemplating what comes to you then. And what can come to you could even be as simple as you're sitting, say you're sitting outside and there's a sunset happening or you know, there's light on, on water in front of you, you know, on a, on a lake, say. And you're just looking at this, the way the light is, is reflecting or, or flickering on this water surface. And somehow you find yourself getting more and more peaceful and more and more uh, a sense of uh, feeling good with yourself. So this is a lot about coming not only to quieting the mind, but bringing peace into the heart. And I think for so many people, the, there's a weight upon us, a weight of criticism and judgment that we either feel for ourselves, or that we feel from other people or feel guilty about things that we've done in the past that we wish we hadn't, or we feel guilty that we haven't done things that we wish we had. So when you ask me about a practice, for me, what I do now, my current practice that seems to be the, the most often uh, used practice for me is very simple. And it's the practice of acceptance, accepting mm -hmm. what is. And that, that is not only accepting what is outside of me, but it's foremost accepting what is inside of me. Yes. It's accepting myself as I am right now accepting my body as it is now and and there could be pains in my body but accepting the pains or whatever thought i have about my body and accepting my feelings now even if they're disturbed even if i'm upset just letting that all be and it's amazing what happens and i say to to you and also to whoever's listening to this it's amazing how simple this practice is and yet how powerful it is because when we begin the process, it's like, it's like beginning a journey. When we take that first step towards a deeper self-acceptance, we are taking a step also towards honoring our being. And when we honor our being, we are also honoring the, the deepest part of ourself, as well as you know, all the stuff in the way of seeing the deeper part. And when we honor this deeper part of who we are, it's in a way we're going to the altar of life. And someone who, who is religious could say, oh, but that's blasphemous because the altar is not inside of us. The altar is, is where God is, and that's not inside of us. And, and I understand that that is, for many people, that's a very strong belief. But I would say, okay, if the altar is for you outside and god is outside of you then then who lives inside of you who lives there and mm -hmm. it is a continuous journey that i have been on for my life of bringing the quest 
again and again back to the place where I am. It's just simply bringing it back and allowing the possibility that inside of me, and I certainly I am a frail person with many weaknesses, all of that is true. You know, I recognize the whole idea of human as being weak. Well, yes, there's weakness, but there's also strength. And there's also something that brought us here, something that's alive and, and lit up inside of us. And for, for many of us, a lot of our life can not seem lit up. It can seem dark. It can seem or at least cloudy or gray or foggy and confused. And, you know, like, what am I doing here? And, and how am I going to make my next, you know, next page, paycheck? Or how am I going to come to peace with my spouse? Or, or how am I going to find my right way in this world? All these questions, they, they percolate through the existence of most every human. We all are dealing with these things. But at the same time as we're dealing with all this stuff, the stuff of life, the stuff of being human, all of this time, there is a witness watching the whole thing, a witness inside of us. I'm not talking about a witness like a big brother outside. I'm talking about the witness inside of us. And this witness is not judging with a harsh mind. I'm not talking about the critical judge inside of us. Okay, there may be a critical judge inside of us, but who is witnessing that? Who's witnessing the judge? Behind the judge, behind the critic, there is a compassionate and loving witness, a presence inside of us that's watching it all. And when I getting back to this practice of acceptance, when I accept myself, even a little bit, I'm opening the door, I'm, op I'm starting on the pathway towards a deeper acceptance and an honoring of this being, this loving being that lives inside of me. And then I'm taking a step towards kindness, kindness towards myself and towards the ones that I'm around, even if they have, they're bugging me and they bothered me and, and they have all, you know, there's all reasons to find, to justify not being nice to them because they've mm -hmm. made not been nice to me. Right. But, but yes, that's, yes. so that's all the, the land of judgment and justification behind and underneath that land. There is a warmth and a kindness. And this is what the Dalai Lama says, you know, his great line is, he says, my religion is kindness. And it's yeah. such a simple thing to say, but when you think about it, if, if I can be kinder to myself, then the chance is much greater that I'll be kinder to you. And if I'm kinder to you, you might be re reminded to be kinder to yourself. And yeah. so it goes. I mean, the ripple can go on and on until we live in a world of more kindness. And when we live in a, more, a world of more kindness, anything is possible. Oh, thank you for sharing that. I, I really appreciate that. Well, you, you asked a good question. You know, it's, it's like a very, you know, how do you do that? It's like, how do you listen to the voice of your soul? And another way I would say, now I'll, I'll, I'll speak a little bit about my path with music, because for me, music, and particularly singing has 
has been a pathway of connecting to my soul and my through my heart to hear the voice of wisdom that is in my soul. It's like that's the still small voice that's in there. And I'm not saying it's originated by me, but it comes through me, just as it comes through you and through everyone when we allow it to. And the the practice of singing without knowing what song you're about to sing the practice of letting a new song be born through your voice in the moment spontaneously is one of the most profound practices that i have come across in my lifetime it's profound because it's simple it's profound because every child in the world who has a voice is doing this practice is doing the practice of spontaneous song making and 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 they're singing with each other and they're making up songs about just the weather or about their shoe getting put on or about you know their friends walking down the street whatever it is the words are and they might sing a tune that they've heard and just make up new words to it or they might have a whole new tune but the the child is doing that as a normal thing it's just normal until there comes a point and it comes in all of our lives very few people escape this point very few people have the kind of the incredible inner determination to not let criticism and judgment stop them you know but most people succumb to the voice of judgment and criticism from their peers from their parents from the teachers from whoever or from from comparing themselves to someone else it can come from any of these places and when it comes at whatever age it comes it basically silences this creative expression and now now this is distinct this is very important to say this this is distinct from the path of the study and the art and the perfection through training of a musical talent for example whether it's playing an instrument or singing because in our society i'm speaking of the west of in america and europe particularly but but in in all of industrialized societies particularly the world is is a world of specialization and every one of us at an early age is assessed through testing we're all tested you know we do all those tests and we are assessed as to our um capabilities and our our where we would best uh be suited i'm not saying this is a uh you know a, a anything bad about this i mean it's it can be maybe always be done better but the point is is that this is just the way it is we are assessed in order to determine what path to take in terms of vocation in terms of you know further studies and an early example of this happens even before we take tests for determining what what you know studies will take the very early tests are taken often in the school choir or the church choir 
by the choir master who is has a job to to bring forth a good choir you know of, uh, that sounds good and so mm-hmm. they just because of their job they are looking to find the voices that are really you know going to sound harmonious and sound good and as a result the choir does not include all the children in fact usually and I'm not saying this is true of all schools, and there's many places where everyone's voice is allowed to sing and find their way, and that's beautiful. And there's community choirs throughout the world which which have no audition or they allow all voices to sing, and that's beautiful. And that's, you know, I am someone who encourages that, that uh, phenomenon. Uh, may it grow and continue. But the fact is, is that there are many, many choirs that in order to achieve the kind of musicality that the director wants, the choir director, that many, many voices are excluded. And in a way, I have made it my mission or the mission has made it my life to serve and an honor and uh and be there for those who are asked to leave the choir. And that's a lot of people actually, Janine, when you think about it, because when you think about, and now let's, you know, go a few years later than childhood choirs or, you know, elementary school choirs, you go to adults and you look out, you know, at a field of adults, you can go out, let's say to a restaurant or be in a bus or wherever you are, where there's a group of people around. And if you were to ask each one, one by one, you say, um, you could, for instance, do you like your voice? Do you like your singing voice? Or even do you sing? You could use any kind of question and you will find invariably there will be some who say, yes, I love my voice and I love to sing. That's a certain number of people. But there will be a larger number of responses that say either I can't sing, I I don't know, I, I, I don't have a good voice, um, oh my God! If I sing, you will be—you will run away, um, you know. Or one person says, you know, oh yes, when I want to be alone, you know, I sing. In other words, they chase people away. Um, so, so there's so many people who have a negative impression of their voice that, and the fact is, is that I would say, you know, nine out of ten or or more of those, they actually. They, they don't believe it fully, but this is what they've been pro- programmed themselves to speak as a defense against singing in front of other people because of um, painful memory of what happened when they did, mm-hmm. you know? And so the brain remembers that and, and brings that memory back and as a protection, a survival mechanism, you know, we would say, I don't sing. Because then we we won't have to go through the torture of singing and being told that we we aren't sounding good. Because mm-hmm. what, Janine, what's interesting about this? I mean, I find it, as you can see, I find it to be a, a subject that it can I can go on and on with because there's so many dimensions of it. And as our time is short, I mean, relatively, I, mm-hmm. I want to just come to a, one in, important point here, and that is that I believe the reason that this is such an issue and so um, deeply ingrained and so emotionally charged as well. It's, it's actually a traumatic experience that people have. So it, it's in the, in the uh, field of trauma and trauma release. 
for many people. And the thing is, the voice, our voice, is is a is connected. Is I we identify our voice with who we are. That's what I want to say. We identify our voice as being us. And if our voice has somehow been criticized as not being good or not being like the others, there is a part of our mind that has made the decision that there's something wrong with us, has determined that something's not quite right or or is off from certainly from being free in expression, certainly from uh, being free to, to, as I say, to step out of our cave. Because when we've been suppressed or, or been told we, we, we can't sing or, or our voice is wrong, we, we bring this voice deep into our cave, which is our inner sanctuary, a place we can hide and still we can live in this world, but our voice and our song will stay hidden and safe. And what, what I offer in all the seminars that I, that I share is not, I, I, I say right at the beginning, I'm not here to pull you out of your cave. And actually, cave is a wonderful place to be. I myself love to be in my cave. But what I want for you, if you want it, is to feel freedom to be in your cave or out of it. However you feel at any moment of the day, you know, and whatever feels right and whatever feels feels appropriate for you too, but that you have the freedom to be in the cave or out of it. And to be out of it means also to freely express through your voice, whether to speak or to sing, to, to let your, your song or a song that you've heard before or a new song come through you, just as you did when you were a child, that that capacity never left you. It just went to sleep or got hidden deep in the cave. And, and that is what happens in our, in our seminars, in our retreats. Uh, that's what our films are about, really, is about finding our freedom to be ourselves, to be at home with who we are and say, yes, I accept myself, I honor myself, I love myself as I am. And I know for some people that sounds corny. Oh, I love myself. Oh, that sounds like kumbaya. Well, well, kumbaya is a good song, actually. And, and to love yourself is a good song. That's a good song. And if you are listening to this and thinking, oh, God, I, I, I hope this, this podcast ends because this guy is just, is just talking such you know, baloney. Because why would I love myself? I know I am such a bad person. See, if that thought is there, that's one to look at. That's all I can say is you don't need to listen more to me. But when you turn this off, I, I strongly suggest, it's just a recommendation. If you really have a thought that something inside you is not good, if you're not a, a good person, even, you know, you don't have a good voice is, is a place to start. In other words, if you can come to accept your voice as it is, you have taken a first step to accepting yourself as you are. And once you do that and take the next step of forgiving yourself for whatever the past has been and coming to a kind of an acceptance with responsibility for all the consequences of all your actions, it's, it's a full, uh, it's a deep, when you're forgiving yourself, it's a full, um, it's a full state of responsibility as well. 
And when you're in that state, you are standing forth as a, as a being of integrity and of light and of love and yes, of song. And that's why the name I'm using now for the work that I do is Song Life, because mm-hmm. it's about your song life. This is, a, whether you've, you ever sing or not with your voice, you have a song life. And your song life is ongoing inside of you. And it's your deeper sense of creativity. It's your music. It's your art. It's your your joyful child life also inside of you. This is your song life. And it's always been there and it will always be there. It's just a matter of remembering it and reconnecting to it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, my voice is, I would say, okay. You know, it's not great. It's not bad. However, when I'm singing to a, uh, a CD that is chants, a, a different chants, I find my voice is really strong and I actually like it. Um, there's something about chanting and I don't know if it's just me or if there is something about chanting that opens your, your heart, your lungs, your throat. I, it, I just, I know I sound way better when I'm chanting than when I'm trying to, you know, sing a song. Well, you know, it's interesting you bring that up because that also has, for me, been been a a river a, a, from from the time I was uh, 16, 17 years old, and singing songs. I discovered chant, and actually lived mm. in a yoga ashram for a while, and and got deep into chant, beginning with Sanskrit chant, also exploring Gregorian chant, and mm. Sufi chant, and. And what's interesting here, because remember I, I spoke about mantra at the beginning, when, we, when you asked the question, what's a practice for, for hearing the, the, the voice of your soul, the wisdom of mm-hmm. your soul? And, and mantra is a repetition of a sound. Well, chant is the repetition of words as well. What makes mm-hmm. chant distinct from song is you're not continually changing melody and words. Now, some, some chants are call and response, and they do change a lot, but you, you're hearing the voice of the one who's leading it, and they, they're kind of feeding you the next line, and you hear it, and then you can repeat it. The, the point is, whether it's one line that repeats or whether it's call and response that changes, it, it involves shifting from the, the head to the heart. It's moving from the, the mind and from having to remember or delineate all the different notes and words you're dropping into the heart and just finding and finding where your pitch is in the chant so it could be harmonizing it the thing is not to strain so you're finding where your voice is just like at home it's just feeling yes Mm -hmm. this is this is the tonality the range that is right for my voice if you try to sing too high or too low it you know it can be fine at times to do that just as a practice and experiment to see what you can do with your voice but you want to come home to the pitch area where you are comfortable and your voice is resonant and feels good and if you hang out there which you've been doing janine when you chant with these cds when you hang out there for a while the voice naturally strengthens and the resonance which is that vibration that feels so uh, delicious inside of us 
inside our belly, inside our chest. I mean, when we're singing, we're breathing more. So we're taking in more oxygen. Mm-hmm. And, and we're also, the heart is coming into synchronization with, you know, it's like often it slows down a little bit, depending, of course, if you're singing a fast chant, then the, the, <laughs> the heart can pick up more. But another amazing thing that maybe you know this already, but if you're with a group of people chanting, more things happen. Because all the hearts in the room begin beating in the same uh, rhythm. They're, they're, they come into synchrony. Just like when you have a pendulum of a grandfather clock and you bring another clock, those pendulums amazingly start to swing together, even if they started off different. And the same, yeah, and the same is true. Well, another way you could say very simply is the resonance, say, of you have two guitars in a room, and if they are tuned the same frequency, if you hit, if you pluck one, you know, pluck the A string on one guitar, the A string on the other will begin to vibrate. Hmm. It, it's it's picking up the wavelength is is it's like equal. It's actually it's all mathematics and numbers. Those numbers are lined up exactly, and so there begins to be the wave motion of that second string. It begins to oscillate to modulate in that same frequency. So that's that happens with guitars. Well, the same happens with our hearts if we're singing together. And, and our hearts begin beating together. We begin breathing together. And there's a sense that happens. I, I'm sure you felt that when you've been singing with other people, a kind of elation happens. Whatever the song is, it can be, you know, some old song from the, you know, from our childhood or, it doesn't matter what the song is it, or, or the chant. When we're singing together with others, an elation begins. It's a good feeling, a joyful feeling begins to grow. Um, and then as we strengthen our voices, it just increases. Mm-hmm. Well, I've certainly had that experience. Um, at I've been to some of your chant waves years ago. And um, I remember in Portland, I went to a Deva Pramal concert and she had everyone singing and chanting together. And uh, it's just, uh, it, it's such a wonderful feeling of connectedness and oneness. And, you know, at, for instance, at a pop concert or rock concert, not they don't often for the whole time, but let's say there's songs that are really well known that they begin singing and the audience joins in and they start singing along. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, if you see that on, um, you know, you see films of, of concerts, big concerts, and you see that happening, and of course they may be waving their lighters or <laughs> their cell phones <laughs> and all that goes on. But the, and, and that's all, again, synchrony is happening. They're doing a motion together. But you can feel it's palpable, it's tangible. You can feel the energy in the room of all these people as they sing this song that's a favorite song of theirs how the energy grows in the room and it's just it's such a beautiful uh, feeling we we witness watching it and then when we ourselves are there we feel it and this is something that why i believe why number for one thing chant is gaining incredible uh, momentum in the world as a practice for people to come together and 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 chant together, whether it's chants of another language or chants in English or whatever you know whatever language you are, 
that people are doing this. For instance, in Europe, there's a movement called Nacht der Spiritualen Lieder, and it means nights of spiritual singing. And often held in these cathedrals or beautiful churches or just large places where you can have hundreds and hundreds of people gather. And it will be led by often it's three different song leaders who have different kinds of music. And mm -hmm. so one might be a traditional like kirtan or mantra um, Indian chanting. One might be uh, uh, sounds of of uh, more more, for instance, Middle Eastern chants. One might be an mm -hmm. African singer who's leading African chanting and movement. And, you know, they take turns or one has a whole an hour and the other has an hour, whatever, however they do it. But these events are happening nearly every night of the week in some city in Europe. There is these gatherings. There's, you know, it, it wow. began uh, 20 years ago and it's become a, a phenomenon. And I've been at many of them, and I've sung. I've been a song leader at many of them. And the the joy of singing with hundreds and hundreds of people these chants is phenomenal. It's just beautiful. Mm. So how do you take that out into the world then? So so my sense is you're you're at one of these gatherings, and your your heart's open, and you're feeling connected, and you're feeling really uplifted and feeling really good and um how do you take that out into the world so that you're not just feeling that way at that time well again i i like this word song life because what i would say is happening when you're at these gatherings is that you you are you're in the flow of your song life at that moment okay yeah and and in other words, your song life is activated. Even if it was asleep before you came to the concert or the event, it is now activated and you feel it. And when you leave that event, it will still be activated for some time. Now, in terms of what one does with, with that feeling, I think the, the, the question would be, how much do you want to live your song life? Do you want it to be relegated to just a, you know, an evening once a year or once a month or whatever when you go out to a gathering? Or do you want to have your life be a, uh, an, a continuous uh, unfolding of your song life? Mm -hmm. and, and if the answer is yes, that's what I want. I want my life to be I want my song life to be my life. I, I don't want it to be separate anymore, and I don't want to put it in a cave. I want it to come out, and I want to, to live it. Well, then I would say that there's so many ways. You, you have to find for you your unique way of expression. And one would be to begin bringing forth your song first on your own, just in your own time. So for instance, you know, you, maybe after work, you come home and, you know, you after dinner, you just watch Netflix. I mean, that's what a, millions of people are doing. You know, so you watch a movie. Well, that's fine. And the movie can be inspiring or, or not. But I would say if you can, for even some portion of time, you begin to activating your voice. And it can be helpful for many people to have an instrument that is playing that they can be singing with. So it's not just um, 
singing out kind of out in the open, but having a, uh, a foundation, an instrumental foundation. And for that, it's not, it's not required that you learn to play guitar or piano, right? It's not necessary. As I told at the beginning of my story, when I took the clarinet out of my mouth, suddenly, you know, I was able to sing. But then being able to sing, I, I then I reached for the guitar because I wanted the harmonic um, structure to be with me as I sang because I found it pleasing and helpful for me. Now, if that's too much for you, if, if like learning an instrument is too much, I mean, I have produced a recording of tracks of music without words. It's like soundtracks for you to find your voice and your song. That's what oh, they're nice. built for. It's called song sourcing. And it's called mm -hmm. song sourcing because it's about you you coming to the source of your song and and finding the source of your song. And so these 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 are harmonic patterns that are very simple. It's just guitar, drums and bass and but very it's gentle and it starts moving so they're just there's slow rhythms and then medium rhythms and uh, it's just coming up to a quicker pace but you can choose from many different uh, kinds of sounds to one that feels good for you and just put it on in the background while you're doing the dishes or while you're you know mm -hmm. just um doing some household activity or even put it put it on in the car while you're driving to work and mm -hmm. just let your voice be inspired. I mean, you could just listen to the music. The music is pleasant enough, but you eventually you might say, hey, this music is boring because it just repeats. But that's the idea. It's, it's to the boring repetition is meant to create a space for your voice to fill. See, you become the lead voice. I mean, you could say, well, that sounds like karaoke. Well, it is, except that what's the music, it's contemplative karaoke is what I call it. Because it's not, it's not songs that you know. That's the whole point. It involves you getting out of your head, out of your mind, trying to remember a song and coming into your heart and letting a new song be born in that moment. You know, if you've got someone in your life that you really love very much, you could imagine that you're singing to them. In other words, you can be alone in your car and just make up words like what do you what do you feel right now for about this person? What would you say to them if you could sing to them and let that come? And at first it can be on one tone, just like chant the tone on one tone. You just chant that tone. That one note is all you need to do. But let the words come, whatever you feel. And as I say, the first step is just ask yourself what is true for you right now. What do you feel right now? And what are you aware of right now, which is your senses? So let's say you're driving down the street and you're aware of the, you know, and so, I've, hey, you know, you're hearing me and I, I should do this. So I've got my guitar here. So I'm just going to uh, do a little demonstration of what I'm talking about. So the guitar, awesome. the guitar is playing a little track, okay? This is like the tracks on these, these uh, song sourcing tracks that I made. You could download these tracks from my website anytime. Ah, Very simple. My next question. I think this is an awesome way to spend time in the car, by the way. 
Exactly. You know, it's, you know, instead of just looking at the scenery or, I mean, of course you can listen to NPR or some good radio show with good music. But or my podcast. Yeah. Or, or a really nice <laughs> podcast by someone such as Janine Strong. And yeah, just, just listen and listen and listen. But at some point, you want to stop. You're inspired. You know, you listen and listen, and then you're inspired, and then you turn it off because you have something you want to say. You have something you want to sing. So let's say this was the song, the music track, because this is one of the tracks. So as I said, I, I asked the question of myself, what, am, what do I know is true right now? What do I feel right now? What am I aware of right now? And so from that, I'll find some words. So I start with just speaking the words. And it can be anything. You're just starting from scratch. You're starting from nowhere. And sometimes that's the hardest point in the whole deal is just finding a starting point. So here I'll just start with... I'm talking now with my friend Janine. I'm talking on the radio. See, it doesn't have to rhyme. <laughs> so, so, so let's let's start with that and see where it goes. So I'm talking with my friend Janine. I'm talking on the radio. Okay. So, so then I find those words, the rhythm of those words, and it could be anything, but I, I need to have a starting point. So I'm talking with my friend Janine, talking on the radio. It's kind of slow, but I'm talking with my friend Janine, and I'm talking, I'm talking on the radio okay so now i find the chant which is the one tone i just will sing it as one tone i'm talking with my friend Janine. i'm talking i'm talking on the radio so i can do that for a while but that gets boring because the mind wants melody. We, we crave melody when we're hearing voices. So let's see what happens. I'm talking with my friend Janine. I'm talking, I'm talking on the radio. I'm talking, I'm talking about everything. Whatever, whatever I want to know, I would ask myself the question. I would ask myself what's true. I would ask myself what direction I take for me to be closer to you. What direction do I take to be closer, to be closer to you? What direction am I gonna take 
to be now closer, closer to you. Yeah, yeah, Jadine, I want to be closer to you. So that's just one way of what you said. You asked the question. You said, what happens after you have these experiences of feeling so connected and, and our voice is activated with each other in a singing experience and we go home, then what? Well, if we want to have our song life be our life or have our life be our song life and not have a separation, we can begin in the simplest way in times when we're not uh, doing something else that needs our full attention, we can begin to practice the playful uh, use of our voice. It is play. It's playful. And yet here's the amazing thing, Janine, is that when we open up in this kind of play, uh, something we did as a child, we're actually, we're opening up a door to, it's through the voice of our heart we're opening up a door to the wisdom of our soul. And we may begin hearing ourselves singing words and messages for ourselves as well as someone else that we, we say, where did that come from? Where is that coming from? It's touching me so deeply. And I, I don't know, I, I wasn't thinking those thoughts a moment ago, but here these words are coming out. These messages are coming out in song. So song Spontaneous song making is a way to bypass the control of the of the uh, rational, of the uh, linear mind, of the left brain, and it opens up the door to the right brain, to the the land of feelings and the land of of narrative storytelling. It opens up the land of our being. As I often say to people, I say. You're making a journey to the headwaters of the river of song. So it's as if you're going into a wilderness, but you're, and you're going to the headwaters, which is the place where the river begins. And you're journeying to the headwaters of the river of song. And the thing about a river is, and the river of song particularly, is that it works best when you let go and you float in the river. You just float downstream. But for many people, that's that's frightening, the idea of letting go into the river of song. And, and if you're frightened, you will naturally hold on to the riverbank. And when you hold on to the riverbank, it means that your mind is tightening up and you don't know what to do. You, your mind doesn't know what to sing. You're holding, you're clenching to the riverbank and not knowing what to sing. Well, I would suggest, I understand why you do that, because it is frightening to let go. But when you do let go, you discover it's not frightening. You begin floating in the river of song and you immediately say, why didn't I let go sooner? That, that's, that's, that's what we say to ourselves when we let go into the river of song. We're, we're singing, sometimes tears come of joy that we're singing the song of our soul through the voice of our heart. And we're asking ourselves, why in the heck? did I not let go sooner and come back to this place that was alive and awakened me, my song life that was awake when I was a child and I, I accepted other people's opinions and I put a stop to it, you know, when I was five or six or seven or eight or whenever. And I, I say, you know, I'm, I'm saying yes to my song life and I'm reclaiming it now. 
I'm letting go of the riverbank and I'm letting myself float down that river. What a lovely metaphor. (laughs) So, so if somebody feels inspired, um, they'd like to do this. I think the car is such a great place, especially if you're by yourself, nobody can hear you. You don't have to, you know, worry about somebody criticizing you. Um, How can they get the, the song sourcing? The song sourcing, the, the most direct website for that would be innerharmony.com, like inside, inner, inner, innerharmony.com. And then you just go to the uh, the online store and then go to, it's called song sourcing, and then you can download it. That's that's the direct way to get the, the music that I have. It's there. Okay, cool. cool. So um, that's wonderful. Thank you. Um, I'd like to have you touch, because uh, I know you're, you've been very involved with your films lately, and um, if you could touch on, on what you're doing with your filmmaking and song and and uh, before we wrap up, I think that would be nice. Yes, thank you. Well, mm-hmm. I, I always wanted to make a film, and it wasn't until my childhood buddy, who is a, actually a Hollywood cinematographer, um, said, Michael you know, you always wanted to make a film and you're getting older now. You better start, <laughs> you better start soon. And in fact, cameras now, you can, for $1,000, you can get a camera that when you, uh, a video camera that can blow up to fill a cinema screen. It can blow up that oh, wow. and look good. And when he, that was the magic words for me, both the low price and, yeah. <laughs> and that it could blow up to be the size of a cinema screen. I said, I'm ready. He took me in the store. We got a camera. And within a month, the, 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 the series that is just completing now, 10 years later, it's a 10-year process, with, within a month, that, that um, the series began. And it began with, with the idea of In Search of the Great Song. So that's the series. There's a series of three films, and the series is called In Search of the Great Song. And and right and this is documentary, right? So it's all documentary series. And from the very beginning, it was asking people on the street and everywhere, and then asking people who were very deep people and spiritual teachers and indigenous elders and people from you know musicians and composers and scientists, and just asking what what is the great song? What is it for you? Or for for instance, someone from a spiritual or a religious tradition is is the great song in your tradition or someone from another country is the great song in your culture. And, and the answers were amazing. And I was filming all these people. And then my wife, Doris, she joined me and joined me in the project. And in fact, when I was in Australia filming an, uh, Aboriginal so-called an indigenous Australian, um, as he was speaking and making music on the didgeridoo, she was filming with an identical camera in Switzerland, a elder from Greenland who was speaking about the melting of the ice in our heart. And so we, and, and talking about the great song there. So both of these, these people, these wise people were speaking about the great song, one in Australia, one from Greenland and being filmed in Switzerland. And this began a project that went on, as I say, for 10 years. So as a result of this project, there are three films. There's In Search of the Great Song as its own film. 
And that's where there's all these voices from around the world, their songs and their stories about what is the great song. And which actually leaves the audience with the question, what is the great song for them? You know, that's, that's the, that's, that's what you go home with. What is your great song? What is it? And so that's, that's the, the kind of the, the overall structural film. And then, then there's the film that's being finished right now that is called Beyond the Fear of Singing. And it's very connected to what I was talking about during our podcast. Mm-hmm. It's, it's about, it's, it's also, it's for those people who were asked to leave the choir, you know, and it, and, but it's not just for them. It's for those people who were in the choir and for them to just look at all the ways in which song can be of a benefit in our lives and, and ex- express our song life. So that's called Beyond the Fear of Singing. And the, the third film, which was actually the first one that we released in 2012, is the story of one man and, and the song, the great song as he hears it. And the man is, is Morton Lauridson, who is considered uh, by many people the greatest living composer in America of choral music. And, and his music is the most performed choral music in the world today really? I yes. the most or we can certainly say the most performed living uh composers music and mm-hmm. uh, he allowed us entry into his life his inner inner life and the creation of his choral pieces that have touched doris and i so deeply we have been so moved by them for so long that when it came time to make this great song movie we said well we need to interview the man who makes the music that we love the most. And so one interview, it, it, it metamorphs into a feature documentary, which was called by the Wall Street Journal, uh, a heartening rarity, which was a nice thing for them to say. And it received four best documentary awards at uh, film festivals in the United States. And um, it goes on. I mean, it was 2012 and continues to touch people around the world by it's it's like a, a contemplation of the beauty of the song inside us. I can say us because even though it's it came from inside this one man, Morton Lauritsen, when we hear it, it becomes ours. We hear it and it's it enters into us and and it feeds our song life. It nourishes mm. our song life. So it then enables us to feel stronger and clearer as we express the song as we hear it, the song for us. So all three of these films are part of song life. And the the uh, the nonprofit which which helped this to be, we call Song Without Borders. So Song Without Borders helped to, to bring forth these films, um, which are the, the series called In Search of the Great Song, and if you, as the listener, are interested in any of this and would like to pursue it further, the films or the programs we do or the music, the resources, uh, the new site name that helps you get there is simply songlife.org. And if you go to songlife.org, you will then, at the top of the, on the menus, you will see films. You can watch them online. You can see the trailers. You can, you know, see videos about the retreats we do or about our, you know, the music, all of these resources. 
And I didn't even get a chance to talk about graceful passages, but so you'll have to. Oh, that, yeah. I, I mean, that's a whole story. That's a whole thing. Cause we could do another, if you ever want to, we could do something about that and all about yes. living and dying and palliative care and, you know, uh, and then the use of art and music to ease our passage into the next world. So that, that's a, that's a whole focus in itself, I think. Mm. Well, and that's, that's how I first knew you. Really? Graceful passages in the retreats. Wow. Well, that's right, because in the retreats, we would play a track from the Graceful Passages. Yes. I yes. remember that. Yes, I would like to make the commitment to do that, because I think that's really important. Passing with grace, or just grief in any, uh, in, in any capacity, it doesn't have to be any kind of loss. It doesn't have to be loss of life. That's exactly. Yeah, and it's also, yeah, it's about if there's been a loss in our past, it's a way to just hold it, in, it with love with our heart. I mean... The music and the messages, it, it creates a space of opening our heart. You are busy. I know you're traveling a lot, um, but when you are done with your travels, uh, I'd like to reconnect and uh, focus on graceful passages and the whole idea of transitions. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, Janine, thank you so much. It, it's Your very um, clear and essential questions were very provocative for opening a door in me, as you saw, of just really going into these subjects rather deeply. So thank you for that and for being so gracious to give me this time to share. Oh, well, thank you. And yeah, this is one of the things I love about doing this is that I I never know where it's going to go. I just sort of move into it and try to be and questions or ideas come to me and I'll latch on to something that that my guest says, and I'll think, "Oh, that's that. We need to go in that direction. We need to explore that." And well, then we just see where it all goes. <laughs> you're very good at it, so I think you're a natural, and and oh, you've been doing it a while, so developing it, and uh, so I look forward to see how your podcast develops and grows and uh, reaches many more people. Oh, thank you, thank you. Well, with everybody's help, it will reach more people. That's why I ask people to share, and if they if they find it valuable, if they find it interesting, funny, just useful in some way, uh, please share. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, I, I plan to do that. Oh, thank you. Okay, thank you so much, Michael Stillwater. This has been wonderful. Um, I really enjoyed it, and I plan on downloading song sourcing because uh, when I go to town and do my errands, it, uh, it will be a nice change from listening to podcasts, too. So, and using my voice more. I haven't been doing that. So you've inspired me. Thank you. That's wonderful. And you, you might also, if someone listening, as another uh, addition to the song sourcing, that's kind of your training wheels of your voice and creating your songs. But for that practice of chant, the CD I have called Chant Wave at Grace Cathedral is really, I think it's the best of the chanting CDs I've made. And you can uh, you can download that as well. So, as a package, I would suggest song sourcing and chant wave, and that way you have some songs to chant along with and, and strengthen your voice. And then when you want to try your own, then you go to the song sourcing. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, if you find this idea of having a track of music that is designed to support you in 
flowing your spontaneous song maker into the world. Um, then, as I say, these, these tracks that I've created called song sourcing were designed exactly for that. So I'm offering to you a, a track without any cost that you can access and freely download from the link that is on Janine Strong's podcast page for this for this broadcast. So just go to the broadcast page and you'll be able to download that uh, at any time you like. Okay, awesome. Oh, thank you so much, Michael. I've really enjoyed our conversation. So, and I know others will too. So thank you and take care. Thank you for listening, and thank you so much, Michael Stillwater, for sharing your creativity, music, and wisdom with us. This truly has been an uplifting conversation. The podcast website is realjanine.com. You can listen and download episodes and access links to Michael's music and films. Sign up for the podcast bi-weekly blog newsletter to keep up on new episodes, archives, life updates, and always a yummy recipe. Remember, Janine is J-A-N-E-A-N, kind of like Jane-Ann. Subscribers have been emailing me recently expressing their gratitude and enjoyment of the newsletter, and I really appreciate the feedback. Thank you. To subscribe to Keeping It Real with Janine, go to iTunes or your favorite podcast provider. I have a Keeping It Real with Janine YouTube channel now and am creating video slideshows of all my conversations. If you would like to help me out, please go to YouTube and subscribe. Do you know someone who would enjoy my conversation with Michael Stillwater? I'm sure you do. Please, share the love. Thanks for listening. Take care and... Be well. To the place of the heart, may we all return. May we all return. May we all return. To the place.